Hilchot Kurban Pesach Perek Teshiyai. And in this Perek, we're going to talk about what is a Havura, um, some of the rules of what a Havura is. And I want to just start with a conceptual point, and that is that the Kurban Pesach, one of the main elements of it, is actually the Havura, is the Bait. And remember, what we are celebrating in Pesach is th that first Pesach that happened in Misraim, which was um, each family, each Bait, Ishu Beto, were inside the house with Malach Mavet running rampant outside, and whoever was eating Korban Pesach inside the house with the blood of that Korban Pesach on the doorpost, that family would be saved as a family, not as individuals. And so too from Misraim, we were saved as families. And when we arrived to Misraim, we also arrived as families. And in fact, the only reason why we maintain some sort of a different culture than, than Israel, than, than Egypt, and than, than the Egyptians, is the fact that we were organized as families, as Batim. So Havura, which is a celebration of some sort of, a, of an institution, it's not necessarily family by, by bloodline, but it's people who decide to join together and form this group as, as a, as a as a level below the nation of Am Israel, it's, it's sort of like this corporation, this, this uh, organization um, that, that is formed. That is what we are celebrating, and that's why a few of the details we are about to learn are pretty stringent about this, this union, this Habura. Halacha Aleph, kol mina Pesach eno ochel ela b'habura achat. And I'm reading now from the Girsa of the Makbili. I'm aware that there is a different Girsa that says, Kol ha-ne-echal, but let's just go with this one, which is the one that Rabbi Avraham and Rabbam, his son, said is the right one. So when somebody, an individual, is eating from the Pesach, the only way that that individual can eat is within a single designated Havura. And it's forbidden to remove any piece of the Pesach from the midst of that Havura in which it's being eaten. And if somebody removes one Zayit worth of Pesach from one Havura to a different Havura on the night of Hamisha Asar of the 15th, that person is liable and deserves Markut. As the Pasuk says, Pasuk says explicitly, you may not take from the meat outside from the bite, uh, outside it, outside the boundaries of the bite. But this is only on the condition that this removal of this piece of this kazait from the meat, from the habura, is accompanied later subsequently by a a placing, a resting of that piece somewhere else, which is not there. And this is very akin. In fact, it's, it's directly analogous to Hosa'a on Shabbat. Because the Pasuk says, Lotosi, Kashabbat, Chasek on Shabbat. Therefore, because the Pasuk uses Lehosi, then the same rules that apply in, in Shabbat, which is Akira, you have to uproot the object from place A and then place it, rest it on place B, those requirements still apply here as well. However, uh, there is no repeated 
uh, repeat offending in terms of removing the Pesach. In other words, only the first person to remove it from the boundaries of the Habura is the one that's going to be guilty. Anyone subsequently removing it further is not really doing anything. Because the moment that the first person removed it, that's enough to render the, that piece pasul. From the, the doorpost and into the house, in other words, all the inside of the house up until the, 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 the beginning of the doorpost is considered the inside of the house, including any, any kind of corridor leading to the door. And past the doorpost and all the outside, it's considered part of the outside. And what happens with the doorpost itself, that is the thickness of, of the door, that, 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 that houses the door, then that is also considered part of the outside. And I, I will leave it with you to try to come up with perhaps more profound uh, meanings um, of what this, what, what this might imply in terms of what we are doing and to remind you that uh, th this, this played an important role in the first Korban Pesach as well. The windows and the thickness of the wall, let's say a wall has some kind of an, an orifice, some, some hole inside it and somebody wants to sit in there and eat the Pesach there, that's also considered part of the inside. Um, but rooftops and any kind of balconies, those are not considered part of the same of the same house uh, in which Habura decided chose to 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 establish themselves. So uh, one more point: recall that the Pesach cannot be removed from Jerusalem as as a korban. It's, it's a kadashim kalim that cannot be removed from Jerusalem. Therefore, um, you have to imagine that there were about a million people or so, probably coming to Yerushalayim every year, <coughs> and Yerushalayim wasn't at the extent that it is nowadays, but it was, like imagine the, the Rova Yehudi and the Rova Muslimi and, and perhaps a little more, that was Yerushalayim. So um, imagine trying to fit so many people there, obviously um, things were tight, and therefore this halachot actually must have been pretty relevant to understand exactly where my guests in this Habura can sit while eating the Korban Pesach. Can they be in these two inches or can they, be, can they not be in these two inches? Whatever piece of meat that leaves the boundaries of the Habura whether this is done deliberately or not, it's asur ba'chila. It's forbidden to eat that, part, that piece, and it's, it has the same, the same consequence. It has the same rule as a, as something of kochekalashim, which is the, the more severe form of korban that leaves the azara. The azara is the, the confines of the azara, the limited boundaries in which the kochekalashim need to remain, or kalashim kalim that leave the, the walls of Yerushalayim, Pesach is also Kadashim Kalim, by the way, um, which all is terrified, it's, it's forbidden to eat, and, and if someone, someone eats it, they get malkut, like it was explained in Maasya Korbanot. Ever, sheyasam iksato, hotech ha-basar v'yoledat shu magia la-aisem v'kolefit ha-basar, kol she b'fnim y'achel, v'kol she b'chus y'saref. 
if a limb of, of the Korban Pesach partially left the Hapura, then uh, one should cut through the, the meat of that, of that limb on, on, the, on the line that crossed the boundary of the Hapura until they arrive to the, to the item, to the bone. Um, everything that is inside the line should be eaten, everything that's outside should be burnt. Um, and then, how about the bone? So, when we are dealing with this question for other korbanot, we said the same rule applies. Then, <clears throat> the person should take, should take a kufis, which is some kind of a very heavy and thick knife that, that was used, sort of like an axe, to, to, to cut through bones, and just cut the bone. Uh, however, with Korban Pesach, we have a rule that the Aisim Lutish Berubo is forbidden to cut the bones of the Korban Pesach. So, we are going to go through this bone and find the next joint and empty it from the flesh and then take that bone, but only that bone, and throw the entirety um, outside. We don't need to burn it. Um, Sorry, so, so, so it's until we actually burn it. So you throw it outside, and then, and then we're going to, to eventually burn it. If there is two haburot within the same house, each of them needs to establish a visible boundary around themselves, so that they have husa, so that just as the Pasuk says, uh, as we have it by tradition, there needs to be uh, an outside of the boundary. So how do you do that if you have two havrot within the same house? Each of them has to establish that boundary so that there is a possibility of crossing outside it. And one of the groups, one of the havrot needs to face one way and and uh, and eat, and the other one needs to face the other way and eat, so that they are not seen as, or, or that they are not deemed to be mixed together. That we don't want them commingling. Each habura is to its own. Halacha <laughs> So the situation here is that one of the members of Habura A, he's a Shammash, he's the, the one that, that's hosting or serving the meal or is being paid to, to serve as a waiter. One of the functions of the waiter, especially on, on the night of Pesach, when this is a misvah, is to do meziga of the, of the wine, to serve as what used to be called in, in antiquity, um, a symposiarch. Symposiarch was a person in charge of diluting the wine with water, and as we know from Ilchot, uh, from Zemanim, from Hamesu uh, Masa, the mitzvah in Pesach is to have wine that is diluted, that's part of the mitzvah of Herut, and the dilution needs to be of up to three parts water and one part wine. So the shamash is charged with doing that. Um, that, that, that. That's part of the of the ceremony. Everyone has a shamash, 
And if there is two Chavurot, the Shamash is going to belong to one of the two Chavurot. And if the water is in between them, water was a very precious commodity back in the day, and they, they probably had like one single space in the house in which they filled water. So the Shamash is going to be walking from place to place, serving water to both tables, and while he's eating Korban Pesach. So what should the Shamash do? So the Shamash himself, uh, if, he, if he leaves his Habura um, to go serve water to the other one, he should, he should, um, he should uh, close his mouth and very closely and even turn his face away until he comes back to his table so he doesn't forget and, and continues chewing uh, while being really mingling with, with the other Havura. Because it's forbidden to eat into Havurot. Into and although we said that the Habura needs to face all in the same direction to avoid confusion with the other Habura, if one of the members of that Habura is a Kala, is, is a, a newly wedded bride, she's allowed to turn around because a newly wedded bride um, is, pretty, is pretty shy and, and therefore she, she's going to be... Because she's shy, why is she shy? Because until that point she wasn't shy because every time she'd eat it would be with her own family, father and siblings, and now she's with what's right now strangers. Um, so she's allowed to turn her face. They had at first some kind of a division between them, a divisory wall, and it fell off. They cannot continue eating. Also, too, if it's a single Havura and something fell in, be in between half of the Havura and the other half, separating them, they also cannot, cannot uh, continue eating um, because the Pesach cannot be eaten in, in, in two Havurot. Uh, so, again, each Havura needs to be separated and apart from the other. And, and one may not, and one may not uh, move from, from the place of one Havura to the place of the other Havura. Sorry, um, sorry, I skipped Alaha. Members of Havura that three or more of them entered to start eating the Kroban Pesach. And the rest of the, of the team hasn't arrived yet or, or will never arrive. So the question is, can they start eating or not? So if when they started, when they came in, uh, this was a time when everyone is coming in to eat their Pesach, and this was after the Me'orer, there seems to have been somebody in charge of, uh, of sort of like uh, encouraging people to start having the Korban Pesach and going around. If that person already went and, and they still haven't come, so those three or more who arrived first 
are allowed to start eating, and they're allowed to start eating as much as they, as they want until they, until they are satisfied, without needing to wait for everyone else. ואפילו באו המתאחלים אחר כך, ומסעו אלו השלושה שאכלו הכל, אין המשלמין להם דמי חלקם. אבל אם נכנסו שיניים בלבד, הרי אלו ממתינים. And even if those uh, came later, they were latecomers, and they come, and the entire Pesach that they, they already prepared for it, of course, uh, was eaten by these three, then the three of them, the, the three first comers, are not obligated to pay back um, the, the portion that they overate of those who arrived late. However, this is only when there is three at least or more. If there is only two, if there is two, they are obligated to wait for everyone else. When are we saying that it's appropriate for people to wait for one another so that they have a havura? This is when, for the beginning of the meal. However, for the end of the meal, we don't really care about everyone finishing the meal at the same time. Um, whoever finishes is allowed to, to leave. and doesn't need to wait for everyone else. <clears throat> uh, if somebody feeds a kazait of the Pesach, doesn't matter if it's Rishon or Shani, to somebody who is assimilated in the sense that he, he does Abodah Zarah, or to a Rev Toshav, or somebody who is not Jewish and happens to be a legal resident, legal permanent resident of, of Israel, or Sakhir. Sakhir is, is somebody, is, is a, a non-Jew, is an immigrant worker. So obviously none of them is allowed to eat from the Pesach. So the person who fed them, so this person violated the Lotase, but doesn't get Malkut. But he, um, he, he, he receives Makat uh, Martut, which is a discretionary corporal punishment that Bedin is entitled to give, and it's often given when we, we cannot give the Malkut Min HaTorah. The reason that there is no Malkut here, although there is a violation of Mitzvah Tata'aseh, according to the Me'iri, this is all in the Makbili Pirush, is that this is sort of like because the, the person doing the ma'ase is not, is not the one who is feeding, but is the one who is eating. And when we say ben nechar, the son of a foreign nation uh, that is not allowed to eat the Korban Pesach, it's not only somebody who is a son biologically of a foreign nation, but also somebody who Um, declared or showed his or her allegiance to a foreign nation by doing Abu Dazara. And the source for not feeding somebody who is not Jewish is not from the word Ben Nechar, but from the word Toshav Vesachir Lo Yochalbo, which, which uh, it has a Kalva Homer embedded within it, is Afilu Toshav Vesachir Lo Yochalbo. Even somebody who is a permanent resident, Toshav, and even somebody who is a, an immigrant worker uh, cannot eat from it, how much more so 
somebody who is none of the above and is just not, not, not belonging to, to Am Yisrael. Rachachit. Arel she'achal kazayin b'sara pesach lokeh. You'll notice that until now we spoke about uh, a, a Jew giving a kazayit to, to a non-Jew. The Jew is the one who, who is violating something. The non-Jew is not violating anything. They, they don't have misvot. But Arel, Arel hayav misvot. And therefore now the question is whether the Arel himself is going to, to be hayav anything. Somebody feeding the Arel um, would not, in this case, be hayav because in Shaliyah is avera. So Arel she'achal kazayit b'sara pesach lokeif. If Arel eats a kazayit, he gets malkut. She'ne'emar v'chol Arel lo yochal bo. Um, however, the Arel may eat the Matzah and the Maror without eating the Korban Pesach. And so too, Gertoshav and Sakhir, that we mentioned at the beginning of the Arachah, a person may give the Matzah Maror, but not Korban Pesach. Pesach. We saw in Perek He that the person may not do shahita so long as he has little kids or servants that need to have milah and have not had it yet. And the same thing applies for eating. A person may not eat Korban Pesach so long as he has kids or, or servants that need milah. Because it says, it says uh, you'll do brit milah to him. And then he will eat it. So the he will eat it, the interpretation, the creative interpretation here is that it's talking about the person responsible for, for doing the milah. If somebody, uh, so how, how could it happen that uh, why do we need a separate halakha for eating than shechita? How could it happen that the shechita wasn't an issue, but now the achila is an issue? So, um, in other words, this person obviously became part of a habura, which means he partaked on the he partook on the on the shechita, and now the question is about eating. How could this happen? So, with the case of a servant, that's easy. The servant was acquired between the shechita and the and the and the achila. Or with a son that needs Brit Milah, the Hyuv of Brit Milah, the obligation arose between Shechita and Achila. And, and how could it be that a son becomes obligated to have Milah between Shechita and, and, uh, and Achila? So Haramam gives a couple of examples. Kigon shehalasad tuhamma shesarich shivat yamim me'ait le'ail miyom havra'ato. So the first example is somebody, a baby who had fever and was saved from fever. Um, the halakha is that you have to wait seven days entirely, seven times 24 hours, from the moment that he gets cured. So that's how that moment can coincide with that interim time between Shechita and Achila. 
Or another example is if it's something much more temporary, the baby had, the baby or, or, uh, or somebody else had the pain in their eye, <coughs> which would also um, delay the milah, and that was cured after shahita. Or he was tom-tom. Tom-tom was a condition, I'm not sure how common it is today, but whereby, whereas the, the reproductive organs of the, of the baby or of the person are, are covered by some kind of a skin, and to the point that we cannot really see if this is a male or a female. Um, so that's actually sometimes, many times, resolved. That's nikra, that, that skin falls apart or is open. And by that uh, opening of the skin, we can determine for a fact if it's a male or a female. Um, and so if that happened in that moment, and then we find out that it's actually a boy, then that, that's another example of how the hayuv of Mila would have a reason between shahita and Achila. Baruch Adonai Amen